Well, <laughs> what I want to talk about today is a part of the Emotional uh, Healthy Spirituality series. Um, but I want to... Sorry. Just got a bit dizzy. There we go. Um, it's just talk about the uh, developing rhythms and um, spiritual practices in a busy life. So the fast pace of life that we embark in uh, day in and uh, day out squeezes out any meaningful relationship to God. Actually, I should explain why I played that video. It is, um, it's the importance of putting your own oxygen mask on first before we're even equipped to help other people. And really what um, this morning is a, little bit, is a little bit about is putting on our own oxygen mask. Okay? So as I say, you know, the, the pace of life that we all embark, in, or embark on, which seems to get faster and faster, squeezes out any real meaningful relationship with God. And, you know, present Christianity is, is marked by a number of, I think, pretty sad realities. We are very, very busy. And... Like me, you live life on the run and just squeeze God in when you can. And so we end up living off other people's spirituality as, as we don't actually have the time to develop our own. And most of us are overloaded, exhausted, scattered, fragmented, uncentered, distractive, distracted lives. And we end up multitasking and balancing so many things at once. Now, does any of that resonate with you guys? Hands up if it does, or is it just me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but sometimes we're actually very unaware of what we're doing. Or we ignore those voices around uh, us telling us to slow down. Well, I'm just glad Lynn's not here. Yeah. <laughs> to hear me say that. <laughs> She's like, I told you. <laughs> Thanks, Sally, friend. <laughs> but we're always on the, on, uh, the way to some place. We're always on the way to uh, doing something or other. And as a result, few people have the time to develop their own experience of God. So we ha end up having a lot of head knowledge about him we have very little time where it actually has time to penetrate our own heart. And we, you know, we sing songs, we have this today about his love and goodness, but then when everything falls apart, we wonder, <coughs> where's God? What's happened? And this is because we actually haven't invested enough time to, uh, for him to get deeply within us. So recently, um, I left my um, Mazda uh, fueler tank run so low that the fuel re reading indicated that I had just 11 miles left in the tank. And even though I was dashing against the clock to get to my next meeting, I reluctantly had to go into Morrison's and fill up. As I left the petrol station, it soon became apparent that I'd left it a bit too late. It'd gone too low, and so the dirt in the bottom of the fuel tank made its way into the fuel injection system. In my, in my early time, it used to be the carburetor. Um, 
so that the car then spluttered for several days. And this is how many of us lead our lives. We run on near empty spiritually, and we just top up when we have to, and we splutter from one crisis uh, to another, never really being able to release the full power that lives within us. So when we think about prayer, prayer is about abiding, being with God. But let's face it, a lot of us don't do so much of that or not enough. And few people are intentional of following Jesus, uh, a life with Jesus. So we do end up living almost vicariously off books, sermons, CDs and other spiritual crumbs um, along the way. And we may talk about slowing down, we may talk about creating margin in our lives, we may listen to sermons about it, I certainly have. But it's almost like being on a drug, this treadmill of busyness, uh, and it becomes like a drug. And we seem to can't actually stop the pace and the busyness of our lives. And again, I am talking to myself here. Peter Scazzaro, now he's the, the writer Who's be, who is behind the Emotional Healthy Spirituality series, he says, it's the combination, the combination of emotional health and a slowed down contemplative spirituality that releases a revolution of God in our lives. It's both. It's emotional health, but also a slowed down contemplative this word contemplative spirituality that's why I said it slow the first time so we need emotional health but we also need some of the traditional contemplative practices you know what I mean that are found in scripture and and as have been practiced by generations of Christians before us so after the the heart issue um, uh, in the summer um, I was forced, reluctantly, to reassess my life. And it became even more poignant when, a week later, now some of you will know this chap from the early years of Northgate, Andy Thomason, any, anyone remember him? No? But he was my age, he was one of the young people, um, and uh, he suffered the same incident. However, the ambulance didn't get to him on time, and he died. And it was, I tell you why, that was sobering. I thought, why has my life been spared? What, did the, what does the Lord require of me? Um, how do I prevent the same thing happening again? And, and initially in my recovery time, I, I felt 20%. Just 20% of the person I perhaps was um, uh, before. Um, what if I died? What if I built that was going to last? What, at the end of the day, was it all about? So I've kind of gone through quite a lot of soul-searching <laughs> in these past couple of months. But, but I realised that my life was full of a, a lot of background noise. That's how I... It's background noise going on and on the whole time. It was a cacophony of sound. And it was so much of it was inconsequential noise. 
whether it was activities I was involved in, my job, misplaced loyalties. And these, this background noise was overpowering the, the quieter voices that really mattered, that wanted to guide me, that wanted me to have a richer, more meaningful life. And I realised that there's so much noise, actually, in the world. There's a lot of rubbish out in the world, a lot of noise. And it's, you know, it's loud, isn't it? And coming from all around. And I started to reflect on Ecclesiastes 1. This is very sobering. <laughs> it says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Complete meaninglessness. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises, the sun sets, and then hurries around to rise again, etc., etc. Actually, pretty sobering, almost depressing stuff. But there's actually a good message in that, because God wants us to have meaning in our lives, and it's all based on relationship, a deep relationship with him. Last week, um, Lynn um, put up a colleague of mine and his wife um, on the next slide, um, uh, Helen, um, who, uh, who just after her 50th birthday was diagnosed with terminal cancer uh, last May. And uh, she, she died ju just a few days before Christmas. And yesterday, I actually went to her memorial and I have to say, it was packed. It was out in Ebenezer um, Baptist Church in Mould. It was packed, over 500 people. But the testimony of this lady was just phenomenal. And they read out a poem. Again, which is a little bit sobering, a bit like um, Ecclesiastes 1. But um, I wonder if we could um, listen to it. Some of you may know it. It's called Leisure um, and by W.H. Davis. That's on the next slide. And it should have a sound. No time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep or cows. No time to see when woods we pass where squirrels hide their nuts in grass. No time to see in broad daylight Streams full of stars, like skies at night. No time to turn at beauty's glance, And watch her feet, how they can dance. And no time to wait, till her mouth can enrich That smile her eyes began. A poor life this is if, full of care, We have no time to stand and stare. Leisure, written by William Henry Davies, narrated by Jordan Harlan. So we have no time. So I'm advocating not more activity, but let's find time to consider and live life that really, really matters. So as I said, the fast pace of life just squeezes out uh, any meaningful relationship God, with God. But God knows the human frailty. He knows our human weaknesses and our failings. And that's why in the Bible he set up 
commands and exhortations to com combat this human propensity to fill our lives with stuff and uh, with busyness. And it all boils down to having a God awareness, a God awareness throughout the day and, and night. I don't know if you've come across this little book, The Practice of the Presence of God by, um, I was going to say D.H. Lawrence, it's Brother Lawrence. <laughs> um, it's a little book, but I think it should be on one of the, uh, there's a few books I'm going to say, on compulsion, com books you should read as a Christian. <laughs> um, and um, this book was foundational, actually, at the... Um, in how my relationship with God has subsequently developed. Because it talks about including the God in the everyday, the mundane, the places I go, the office, the kitchen. It's being aware of God all the time. It's a lovely little devotional book. I would recommend it. You know, it uh, wouldn't take um, much to read, and um, I'm pretty sure it's probably available on um, audio file as well. <clears throat> simplicity is at the heart of the gospel. It's not overcomplicated. Um, when I um, talked, I did, I did the message just before Christmas about the simplicity of the nativity, that it was all about a simple girl in a simple time from a simple town who made a simple pledge to a simple man to live a simple life together. A simple birth of a seemingly simple boy in a simple place that is so simple most of the people living in that day never realised it happened. God isn't after us living complex lives. He's after us living lives of simplicity and devotion. Um, uh, Helen, Helen Clarkson brought a word to us at the start of the year about listening. Um, where she said that Father God was exhorting us to develop the art of listening. How do we listen to where, when there is so much noise? How do we? Well, we turn the noise off as much as we can, don't we? We turn off the mobile phone and our iPads, our devices. We turn the TV off, the radio off. Um, we turn the internet off as part of the, the noises. And it actually has to be intentional. You actually have to be intentional about these things. So when Lynn talks to me, she said, Joel, I want to talk to you. I've had to learn <laughs> to free myself from all distractions, to get comfortable, to face her directly, and to be quiet while she speaks, because you can't hear if you're talking or preempting what you're going to say. And actually, she gets very upset with me um, if I don't do that. And it's also very dishonouring um, of me if I don't pay full attention. There is a fly here, isn't there? It just, just got me, yes. But it takes discipline, and it's really a true art in learning how to listen. 
and we listen with our ears, of course, but we can also listen with our eyes um, uh, as we look at facial responses to know how we respond. But we can also, in spiritually, look with our spiritual eyes as we are listening to God. And Helen went on to say how God loves um, to hear us, our voice, as well as when we take the time to hear his. And she concluded with the words of the Lord, let's have some venture together. And God wants us to bring us into a, 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 a new adventure of our walk with him that's much deeper than we've, we've ever gone before. So um, just um, on my own journey um, in reading and meditation, I just want to have a, just a quick look at that as we look at developing rhythms. So I've I found, well, I'm just, it's always been there, but I've been finding this word rhythm, the rhythm of life, um, has been cropping up more and more frequently um, over the past year. Um, and how healthy living and how a healthy mental state should incorporate rhythms, regularity, including spiritual rhythms and regularity. <coughs> Rhythms for relationships, rhythms for fun, rhythms for creativity. Just like we have a rhythm, or should have a rhythm for eating, and we should have a rhythm for sleeping. But I have found that as life demands increase, my pace increase tends to increase, and then my rhythms start going awry, even my eating rhythms. And then rather than a nice sustainable order, my rhythms actually look like, not like that, but a lot of white noise, which is unpleasant. I was first introduced to uh, meditation by a man called Alex Buchanan. Some of you may know him. And he's Mark Buchanan's father, for those who know Mark Buchanan. And he taught us a few principles. And um, my journey started in Shavington Avenue. Um, and as young people, a group of us young people, that yes, that is Shavington Avenue, don't know if you recognise which house it is, but anyway, um, we would meet on a Saturday morning um, and meditate on scripture. For those who know Blinda, um, who was Tucker then, um, Marie Harrison, Greta McGeehy, these are all names going back, but they were all part of our um, meditation group. And it introduced me to the depth and the richness of scripture and the, and the benefits of quietening the soul. And in some ways, I kind of miss having a group like that, um, like that now. So maybe we can uh, address that. In my adult, adult life, um, a two, I've had two major incidences of um, mental burnout. And the first one happened about just about five years ago. It was quite a severe one. And it actually took me nine months to um, rebuild and restore my life. Well, that's another story. But one book that I did read um, that really pulled me, I read it and reread it and applied it slowly, was this book, Simplify, where I, I looked at my life and helped, it helped me on my path to simplifying my, my um, life. So it's, it's a book by Bill Hybels. But it, helped, it started to help me quieten my own soul and was part of my own uh, restoration process. And then of late, I've uh, discovered meditation poetry, where I've used this, I found this writer. Well, this guy, I, I, 
this is this book, just pages of this book, every page started resonating with my soul. And um, I've used this um, as part of my own um, uh, meditation. Just taking time to reflect and ponder in silence has um, been very enriching to me. Um, I've also discovered there's, there's many apps and online resources that can help meditate and bring peace to a troubled mind. There's a whole aspect of spiritual mindfulness um, out there as well that some people have found very helpful. And even just this week, those who follow Rob and Alice Creswell, um, Rob has put, um, um, it's like a little seminar on how to meditate and quieten yourself. Um, I haven't yet heard it, but I intend to uh, this, this coming week. So there's lots of stuff uh, out there. Um, there is, um, I've also been having, a, this is, I'm just whizzing through part of my spiritual journey at the moment, but I've been having a look at um, the practices of modern monasticism. And so I've been exploring some of the emerging monastic practices um, designed for the modern day by speaking to various people um, and things like that. If you love reading, um, there's a series by um, Penelope Wilcox called The Hawk and the Dove, about 14th century, set in 14th century Benedictine monastery. This, these are absolutely fantastic, and they're a good, they're a good read, but they're so good of, of, of insights into the human condition, which has never changed over all these centuries. Um, the first lot is a trilogy, and um, Lynn took book three out with her when we went to Prague just before Christmas <coughs> to celebrate her birthday. Unfortunately, she read the last chapter on, um, um, as we were going to bed in Prague on our first night, and she sobbed her heart out at the, the warmth of it, and that went our romantic evenings um, <laughs> out of the window. But anyway, but <laughs> it just talked about how structured their life was with um, all these set times of devotions, um, starting at four o'clock in the morning and going on to Complamine at half past seven. But I've been challenged, how can I take some of that? Of course, I can't do seven times a day like that, but it does... It's a practice of making you God aware all the time. But I've been wondering, can I do it in the morning and have some time, say midday, to, to focus in a time, it may be only 10 minutes, on a time of solitude and quiet and reflection, um, uh, it, it, just in order to, to cultivate that a new new patterns and rhythms in my own life. And I know I'm going to have to be very intentional about it. Um, you know, we sing um, that we want to become more aware of God's presence. You know, there's nothing worth more than will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. When you sing that, is there something deep inside you that, that kind of just yearns that one out? But that will only happen if we're intentional about it. it is that song just for 
something in 35, 40 minutes on a Sunday morning? Or is it something that we should be pursuing for the whole day, 24-7? So how can we become more aware of his presence? And scripture exhorts us to be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10, or the Amplified, be still and know and recognize and understand that I am God. And there you've got it. God says it. Um, I'm just aware of time because I, I want to interview, well, I want Jen to have a chat, but I'm just going to quickly touch on silence, the importance of silence and solitude. Um, Jesus set time to be alone. His life was surrounded by people pressing into him, and he needed times to draw aside with, um, um, with Father God. Um, he needed solitude. And there are times, I think, that actually we need solitude. Solitude is a good thing at times. Um, for me, it's one of the reasons why I love to go swimming of an evening or I go on a bike ride on my own in the countryside without the phone, you know, and, and then you can, you can commune with God, you can grapple over some of the big things of life that, um, that crop up. Um, and then when these times are more extended, say over eight hours, I find in me it um, unleashes God, God's creativity in me, and I get all sorts of ideas. Actual fact, those around me brace themselves for when I come back after an extended time <laughs> um, on my own. But um, I looked on the internet, the benefits of silence, and there were 21 brilliant things about having um, the benefits, the health benefits, the emotional benefits, the spiritual benefits of, um, of uh, silence. It doesn't have to be a 20-minute walk in the countryside. It can be sitting in the garden um, when the baby takes a nap, locking yourself in the server room at work. That may just suit you just, just as well. But anyway, I'm going to ask Jen to come up, and if you just bear with us for uh, 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 10 minutes, and I shall chop at what the rest I was going to say. But um, part of um, uh, what I was saying about contempt uh, developing contemplative practices um, as part of your rhythm, um, one of the people we um, have been speaking to, Jen, it's been an utter delight to you having um, us, having you with us for uh, this period of your life. Uh, but there's so much richness in Jen and some of her own journey. Um, so, Jen, can you just uh, tell us a little, just a little bit about your, first of all, about your journey into contemplative <laughs> um, meditation and practices? Sure. Um, so the, the hardest thing about this right now for me is that I have this ocean full of thoughts and, and ideas that I want to share, and I have to share a thimble full with you guys this morning. Um, but I will start by saying that when I was younger, uh, well, I got saved when I was about 20, and then I went to a Christian college, and in the U.S., we have Christian colleges and universities um, in a way that I, I think you guys don't really have over here. Um, and so after I got saved, I went to, to university, and I did a four-year degree, and I minored in Bible and theology. And I remember one of my... Um, one of my professors reminding us over and over again not to make the not to be guilty of idolatry of the Bible, that um, we worship God, 
and keeping our focus on God and our relationship with God. But I was really, really intellectual, and so I like to study, and I like to learn, and I could sit around for hours and have deep theological discussions and have, you know, talk about all this stuff and think really hard about God and memorize scripture and know the right words and know the right answer, you know, like little kids in Sunday school, right? Jesus, the Bible, right? You know the answers. And... Um, a few years after that, I went to a missions training and discipleship school, which was really different than the, my university education. And this school was very practical, and we did a lot of outreaches into the community, and it was very, yeah, it, was, it took your faith out of the realm of your mind and made you kind of live it out. And that was really uncomfortable for me. And I had one of my teachers there pull me aside one day um, he asked me to come to his office, and we sat down, and he said, you have such great knowledge of the Bible, but I'm really worried about you. And I was like, why? You know? And he said, I'm really worried that you have this great potential to be a really good Pharisee. You have this great potential to have all this knowledge and none of the love. And I realized that I really was somebody who loved to keep things in the realm of the mind because that kept me, that allowed me to stay detached emotionally because I'm super sensitive and like, I don't want to get hurt. It hurts. I cry really easily. Um, and it's not just because I'm American. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so it was during my time at the missions training and discipleship school that I went to a Renovare conference and Renovare is run by, or was founded by, a man called Richard Foster. And he wrote a book called Celebration of Disciplines. And when I read Celebration of Disciplines, I had probably been a Christian for about 10 years. And I thought to myself, how on earth have I never heard about spiritual disciplines until now? Because Richard Foster talks about spiritual disciplines, which you're calling contemplative practices, same thing, different words. Maybe you can use spiritual practices, then you don't have to say contemplative. <laughs> um, but Richard Foster talks about spiritual disciplines being, okay, so we know, right, that, that God produces the growth in our lives, but we can partner with God by cultivating the soil of our hearts. And so, and we can make the, our hearts a healthy place for that seed to take root and to grow. And so, um, that's Richard Foster's analogy, not mine. And, um, and I really like that. And so, I read Celebration of Disciplines, and I thought, how have I never known this? Because I want to get closer to God. I want to know God more. But I just feel like I'm working and trying. And then people tell you, don't work so hard. Just let God do his thing. And you're like... So then I'm supposed to do nothing? I don't, I, do I do everything? Do I do nothing? What does this look like? And the answer that I found was spiritual practices. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, uh, in my own um, uh, kind of ex exploration and talking to various people, I've, I've heard um, two things. Um, uh, some, one's certainly quite easy. Uh, it's called centering prayer. Have you come across that one? Yes. And the other one is... I always get the O's in the A's, Lectio Divina. Yes. Um, uh, have you kind of had experience of those? And if so, could you... Actually, first of all, what is centering yeah, prayer? Sure. 
Okay. So, well, I'm going to back up a little bit. You asked if I had experience with this, and I'll say, yes, I do. Um, I actually, I fell so in love with the celebration of disciplines and learning about spiritual disciplines that I went on to do a master's degree um, at Wheaton College in the U.S. in Christian formation and ministry. And so, um, spent a lot of time learning about different spiritual disciplines and things. And one of the things that we learned about uh, was centering prayer. And I love centering prayer. Um, and it's funny because I did centering prayer yesterday. And the thing that was my major distraction was thinking about the fact that I had to talk about centering prayer today. <laughs> so I was like, how would I describe this experience? Um, but centering prayer, um, there's, there's two analogies that I like to help explain centering prayer. And that is that in centering prayer, you are not talking. You are not making requests of God. You're not telling God about your life. You're not asking him. You're not praying for anybody. You are literally sitting in God's presence. And, um, and you're, I don't even want to necessarily say that you're listening because I feel like that implies that you're asking, that you, you have an agenda when you sit down. And I think the thing about centering prayer is to sit down without an agenda um, that your only agenda is to appreciate being in God's presence and loving God for who God is, um, not for what he can give you or what you can get from him, but just for, just for who he is. And so when you sit down to do centering prayer, do, do you want me to describe the process? Uh, yeah, if you briefly. Sure, sure. Yeah, briefly. Um, so if you were going to sit down and do centering prayer, um, for starters, I, I, we always recommend that you know, if you've never done this before, set a timer for five minutes because it can be kind of frustrating because thoughts will come in. And the idea is actually to, we, we recommend that people choose a prayer word. So it could be like Jesus or love or compassion. Um, could be a verse of scripture, but you sit down um, in a comfortable position, take some deep breaths, and you start to meditate on your prayer word, or that's not the right word. Actually, try to kind of let go of the cares of your day. And so I sort of picture it as sitting beside a stream, and I'm watching the cold, clear water of the stream in front of me, and I'm trying to just focus on the beauty that's in front of me. And once in a while, a stick will flow down, and, it'll, and that's one of my thoughts, will kind of come into my focus, and I go, oh, there's a stick. And when that comes in, instead of going, oh, I failed, I'm thinking about something other than God, um, you just let the stick continue on down the stream, and you let it go, and you refocus your mind back on your prayer word, which is kind of your, your signal to your brain that you are intentionally choosing to focus on God. Um, yeah. Okay. Is that... Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so um, I've kind of, let's say, used the word peace. So you could sit down comfortably. Uh, it's not quite letting your mind go blank, but it is, it's not allowing thoughts to run away with themselves. It's a way of be still. It's, it's this be still and know that I am God. And when you're, you find you thinking about people or, or things that are happening and they're troubling you, you just say the word peace you, you just bring your mind back that's why you center back and say the word peace you said five minutes yeah and and that can develop to about 20 minutes um but some people practice that every single day they start the day with this quiet be still centering prayer and just very briefly um just of time because of time um um 
so we're not asking God of anything, and we're, we're actually bringing thoughts in, but Lectio Divina is, is kind of something else, isn't it? Yeah, so Lectio Divina is um, it's a really personal method of Bible study, I guess you could say, or Bible meditation more than study, I guess. Um, so with Lectio Divina, you just want to take a short verse of scripture. Um, I know that, you know, we, we, we live in a very consumer-driven, uh, consumeristic society, and we want more, and we want, you know, we want content. We want uh, quantity of content. And, you know, so sometimes, you know, you get these read the Bible in a year things, and you read two chapters in the morning and two chapters at night. Well, how much does that information get from your head? How does it get from your head into your heart? She just read, I mean, Paul, the list, there are volumes, <laughs> and vo you could fill this entire room with books on the book, on the book of Romans, you know, and you're going to read two chapters and think you've walked away, and God spoke to you, and you have this deep understanding of the book of Romans. Like, you need to, like, we need to slow down, like, what you're talking about. And so, you know, with Lectio Divina, you would read a very short passage of scripture. And, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll read one sentence and I'll read it several times, emphasizing a different word each time. And at some point, what you're, what you're looking for is, is for a word that sticks out to you and a way that God is kind of speaking to you through that word. And so you would receive that word, then you'd sit with it and chew on it and think about that, read through the scripture again slowly sit and pray, and there's different ways of doing it, and there's guidelines and steps and whatnot, but you sit and you just, you just sit with that word, and you pray and ask God what he's saying to you through that, and then you'd read through the scripture again, and um, ultimately what you would want to do is get to a place where you've, you've chosen a word, you've prayed about the word, you've asked God what he's trying to say to you through that word, and then asking him how he'd like you to apply that word in your life and to make a commitment before you stand up and walk away from that time of prayer to make a connection with how you're going to then apply that in your life moving forward. Right. Thank you very much, Shen. Yeah. As you can see, th this is a big subject, isn't it? and you know, we didn't even have a thimbleful of, of what this is. And it, it could be actually quite confusing so um, what we want to do, actually, we don't want to just have this message and just, just move on. Again, tick list, we've done that chapter of the book. But we want to build, as I said in our, uh, the um, leadership team, uh, oh, Christmas letter, we want to build slowly and surely. And um, what um, uh, Jen has done, so that we can gauge what people may be interested in so we could develop further, um, is um, on your seats, there is um, I'd like to know more about sort of thing. And um, if there are specific things, and, you, and we can tailor um, our own teaching on these subjects, um, and then fill them in and pop them um, on, the, um, on the stage uh, afterwards. And then we can look at those and we can say, yep, well, we'll talk about centering, but we'll, we'll do some practical things on Lecto Divina. Um, or some, uh, or some other things. So this is a big, big, big subject, and it's it's introducing a way of a way of life. Thank you very much, Jen, and uh, we look forward to hearing a lot more um, uh, what you've got to say. I look forward to talking a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, just uh, also on your seats, there is um, uh, Frank. We're going to whip to the very, very last slide. The because um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut quite a bit out now. 
Thanks. Um, yeah, also is um, something to take away and reflect on. Um, it talks about the Sabbath. I would, uh, again, big subject, Lynn taught on it utterly brilliant, brilliantly. It's on the, um, on the web, definitely well worth looking at. But Sabbath being one of the things that God has actually commanded. In the, it's in the 10 um, uh, that, that we do, and it's the one that we perhaps not murder or do other things, but it is the one we all ignore because we think is totally irrelevant, and it is the one that God has designed for our own well-being. So um, have you got the last slide, um, the conclusion? Uh, never mind. So just concluding, and thank you for bearing with me on this one, but God has fashioned us to walk with him during the day and having a God awareness uh, during the day. He's exhorted to ensure that um, we have re fine rest for our soul and to focus on him, the God of peace. He's told us actually to keep the Sabbath, to look for ways of establishing rhythms uh, in our life, to be ruthless with ourselves, <coughs> to practice ways of meditation and contemplation that suits us. Consider having times of solitude and all of this will bring about emotional and spiritual stability in our somewhat hectic, fast-paced lives. Thanks very much. Do, do take them away. Do, ha do actually take some time, perhaps reflect um, on the questions.